0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to the Gestalten podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald, and after we have come back last time from our very well-deserved summer break, I am now very, very happy to welcome you to an episode where I have to admit I wasn't an expert on. I mean, I'm not personally a you know very deep expert about car design per se. I know the industry you know a fair bit, but. Um, We are now talking a little bit about bicycles and we're talking about, you know, what bicycles will be in the future, how they will be part of the future of mobility and especially about the cities, what kind of specialty they have in terms of designing, what a designer needs to know and about the potential future position of a professional bike designer. And with me for this discussion is Tony Feldska and he has been the design director for five years as you know with bmc switzerland which is one of the biggest road bike manufacturers in the world and uh, he started an internal design department there uh, from absolute scratch built a team around it and the interesting part with him is that he also has experience in the car industry was at bmw for a few years so he will be able to help us to understand a little bit the differences as well so I hope you will enjoy this episode. Uh, It's it's something a little bit different, but uh, we wanted to mix it up a little bit. So yeah, enjoy this recording. And uh, also not to forget, the recording is presented by Concept House Innovation Consultancy. Check out the new website at www.concepthouse-ic.com. Go and check it out. Let us know what you think. And let's go with Tony and myself enjoy Tony Felska welcome to the gestalten podcast and it's a pleasure to have you with us thanks for taking the time thanks for having me Martin lovely so this is uh we want to talk about a topic today uh going away a little bit from the traditional only like you know cars and like uh what is uh, what 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 kind of role of cars play into this uh, new age of mobility. And we want to talk a little bit about two wheel obstacles. So like can two wheel vehicles today, as you have quite a bit of experience on both the two wheel and the four wheel side. But uh, before we get too much, you know, into detail in this kind of thing, let's go a little bit into like, you know, what's happening at the moment because with, you know, all this Corona pandemic without going into too much detail, Um, into like you know the reasons for that and stuff like that but um, we see a massively or a massive increase of the usage of motorbikes of bicycles of electric bikes and everything that is nowadays connected with it such as these uh, you know electric city scooters and all these kind of thing how has your life changed uh, as a majorly two-wheel designer of the past over the past months, uh, you mentioned beforehand that uh, you have been very, very busy recently. But what what has changed for you since this pandemic has taken over all of our lives?
1: Yeah, well, uh, business is, is good because uh, there's a lot of demand for bicycles at the moment, right? And, and electric bikes. So uh, it has definitely affected the, the global market.
0: Do you think from, you know, what, what, what you have seen personally and... You know your personal experience over the last, let's say, five years, that this Corona pandemic has even more accelerated the usage of these electric bikes or bicycles, and and everything that's surrounded by it. Or has this actually started earlier? Or how how could you explain this kind of increase on on these two wheelers?
1: Well, I think there is uh, two big reasons uh, that you see in big cities right now, and one of them is that people are encouraged uh, not to take public transport. So that's uh, that's you know part of what's driving it, and uh, another thing is uh, you know all these uh, all these uh, temporary bike lanes and uh, the, the the infrastructure that's in place in cities like London and Paris, and uh, mm-hmm. it just makes uh, people feel a lot safer where you take part of the space that's allocated normally for cars and 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 uh, you know you allocate that for for bicycles so um, if that remains permanent then we'll see uh, you know a large permanent shift Um, but there's of course there's no guarantee for that
0: how how do you believe that the mobility will will continue to change with that i mean let's let's play this little Game and this little exercise. I mean, we've we've all had these conversations before. We believe that the cities will be less polluted with um, with emissions. It will be much uh, cleaner place from that regard. How will this happen? Or what kind of effect will this have on on alternative methods of getting from A to B, such as with the bikes? I mean, we 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 saw already over the past few years that there was a very strong you know design emphasis coming into the bike area um has also to do with the materials of course being used but what's what what's the kind of biggest influence of this this kind of new generation that's now coming through and these new um you know these new ways of doing things that will affect in terms of what your job is which is designing uh you know two-wheel mm-hmm. vehicles in those regards what's, what's what's what you see what where where your your where's your inspiration where are the effects coming from that will decide in terms of how a bike will maybe look like in the next few years?
1: Well, I think you need to um yeah split bikes into what uh what they're being used for you know the there's commuter bikes and that's a that's a very very big segment with many sub segments and then you obviously still have the uh, uh, more sports oriented bikes um and uh, they could sort of develop in very different ways right. Um, the the commuter bikes. I mean, um, what the, I think the biggest shift in the last few years has been towards a lot more cargo bikes, where they can actually replace uh, someone's car or or the second car maybe for the for the family, um, where you can bring kids or or groceries or things like that, and that's really. You know, still very much at the beginning, if you look at them, um, there were lots of of, um, cargo bikes back in the 1920s and 1930s, um, and they didn't look that different from the ones you see today. (laughs) So so it's there was sort of a a full stop, 67 years, where nothing happened, and uh, with the introduction of the electric assist, uh, it just becomes a much more viable option for a lot more people. Because it's quite heavy to, to ride around on something that weighs you know, 30, 40 kilos plus uh whatever you carry.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned obviously the electric um, let's say motors or whatever we want to call them, assists, um, whatever they are. How have they changed your way of designing? I mean, you've seen uh you know, you were at BMW, you were at Mazda, you were a time you were you were you were at BMW during a time where BMW I was very big. Uh, where there was a lot of focus on electric vehicles, um, and now we have, with a little bit of a delay, this kind of focus on electricity also in bicycles, of course. So, what has changed? Like, what what was the main challenge for you in terms of designing then the, the bicycles? But also, what have you learned from maybe your time at BMW of you know maybe mistakes or positive things that have been done that you then implemented into these into the new bicycles. Mm.
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, I think that the electric bikes, it really started taking off like 10 years ago. Um, And, you know, Bosch came in as a a main player and uh, removed many of the obstacles that were um, associated with electric bikes before that. Um, Things like service and making it easy for bike dealers to just send it, in. you know, nobody can uh, repair an electric bike, so so you would have to be able to send it somewhere, and uh, Bosch really revolutionized that. Um, I think it's, um, specifically from BMW, I mean, I got tons of inspiration, I learned tons, tons of things there, but um, as it relates to electric bikes, I just think that, it, you know, we're a, a bit at the beginning there as well. If you look at the car, you know, when it was, the car was new, and uh, 140 years ago or whatever. and um, you know, it took many, many years before the car. It was just a, a horse carriage with uh, with an engine, right? And uh, that was very much the case for bicycles in the beginning. Uh, you know, the the early years of the the electric bike as well. Um, and it took many years before the car found its own shape. Um, and that's that's uh, that will take some time for the electric bike as well. There's been some improvements, but uh, overall, I think there's still quite, you know quite some way to go.
0: <laughs> what you mentioned is very interesting. What what's the what's the biggest challenge for you of designing an electric bike compared to let's say a normal muscle powered bicycle? Um, and where do you draw you know similarities from what you have done with the car industry, for example, and where would you also see this is where it's fundamentally different what's your what's your what's your analysis of that kind of you know um process of designing a product
1: well compared to regular bikes i mean you you are you, dealing with very different proportions right and uh, you can you can start the project with saying uh, do you want it to look as much as possible like a regular bike uh or do you sort of accept that this is a completely new vehicle category and uh we need to move away from what we know as uh, as bicycles today and what you see on the component side and you know wheels and everything is that you have more and more specifically uh, developed parts and uh, components for for e-bikes which is which is good because then you can, you know it's easier to keep everything in proportion um everything is going to be beefed up uh, up a little bit and uh um i think also in form language you can there's no reason that it needs to look like the same old uh, diamond frame that we've had on bicycles for for 100
0: years now and how are these companies i mean you've i think if we look back a little bit you've been at b uh bmc which is um you know one of the one of the best i think mountain bike companies that's what they're you know best known for in that sense so more, more road bikes
1: oh road, road, bikes, bikes, road sorry time. um yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you if you you come in as a designer and how what what is the acceptance of a creative spirit where it says like look we need to do something which is not just about aerodynamics which is not just about lightweight of course especially for road bikes uh, about stability about you know um the materials but we also need to make it attractive without just being in graphics i mean this is what a lot of people oftentimes think i think you know it's just like oh yeah that's graphic heavy and all these kind of things so on your first day at BMC, how how did you how did you attack that? How how did you speak to all your colleagues around and and make it make it clear to them how important design can be for the future of the company?
1: Yeah, that was um, you know a very special opportunity because there was no in-house design before that. So the CEO hired me and uh, he wanted me to report directly to him and uh, build a new, de- new design department. And uh, so I got to hire my own team. I got to um, uh, develop a design strategy and implement this over five years. So I spent five years there, and then um, um, I think at the beginning it was uh, a big challenge because you're going to take some of some of the decisions that were made by other people, like product managers and engineers, were no longer being they were going to be on on, on my side, and uh, it's hard for people to accept. I think that would, uh, you know, if I put myself in their shoes, then I would probably have a, a similar reaction. So I knew from day one that wasn't that wasn't going to be, uh, you know, a walk in the park. Uh, but I think, like, after, say, two years, when we started having our products out on the market, um, that were radically changed, um, both, you know, pretty much everything. Uh, but they were well-received, and they, uh, if you have a couple of products that are selling well, um, there's a lot less discussion and there's a lot less questioning the new, the new strategy. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for a while there was, it was, uh, it was uh, it's not, not very easy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for you, for you as a creative, what were parts of these obstacles? If you, if you're allowed to share them?
1: Well, you know, the um, if you, if you come in and, um, your task is to, to change the design, the design direction, um, well, then, you know, some people are not going to like that because they've done things in certain ways over the past few years. And it's sort of an indirect uh, criticism in, 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 in changing everything. Um, so not everyone's going to like that. And um, I think that's a that's a natural reaction. Uh, it You know, it's, it doesn't surprise me. And as I said, maybe I would have had a similar reaction myself. Um, it's hard for people to embrace change and uh, Yeah, I think it's. I mean, as far as the design team goes, I was lucky to have the chance to to sort of build my own team from scratch, because then you know at least you have uh, internally there's there's not going to be any resistance. You know, they are on board with the new project. Uh, They embrace everything uh, new because they haven't been part of the past. So, uh, yeah but there's this, uh, having said that i think in all in all bicycle companies there's a, there's always a bit of a interest of conflict between um, engineers and, and designers um, and um, i think the successful companies they are good at sort of dealing with that that uh, that, con- that constant conflict in a, in a in a fruitful way because you you really need both, right?
0: Of course, of course. And and I think I mean you mentioned one important thing is you were allowed to build a team. Um, I think it was it 2014. I think is when you started there. Um, you were allowed to build a team. You had the support of a of a CEO who understood that let's say an in-house design team is probably what's what's best for the company at this at this given time. Do you think that's now a standard? Is that something that, um, you know, the, the the bike industry or like two-wheeler industry generally still does? Or is that still the exception from the rule? Because we have seen obviously the, you know, in the 60s and 70s in the car industry uh, with more in the 80s and 90s uh, than tending towards, let's say, internal teams, which are still very predominant over here. But, you know, especially in the product world or in, in, in the world where, products are a little bit less complex than a car it oftentimes still tends to be pushed out i mean is this something that you see as being reduced in the bike industry um or do you think it's still the standard or or where do you see the future go towards this especially having in mind obviously with future of mobility that branding and services are becoming more and more important well
1: um i think most most of the bigger brands they have their own uh, in-house design teams now quite big teams actually uh, as well, so um, and th- that's pretty much become the standard. Um, but you know, the way, the, at least on performance-driven bikes, um, y- you know, the marketing story is still very much built on numbers. And uh, this is ten uh, percent stiffer, eight uh, percent lighter, and twenty uh, percent more aerodynamic than the predecessor. That's you know, that's the marketing story. So you don't you don't want to blur that with giving design um, too much attention. So um, design and industrial design and, and graphic design is very much in the, you know, you play in the second fiddle and uh, which is okay. Um, I think what, what they can learn from the car industry is that design is very new still in the bicycle industry. You know, up until 15, 20 years ago, there was, there was no industrial design. There was uh, round tubes. And um, graphic design, so it was all engineers and, and graphics so you know in terms of processes and in terms of uh, maturity of uh, decision making and uh, how we go about design it's still still uh, pretty immature in in our industry and there, and there we could learn a lot from the automotive industry
0: yeah what's what do you think is going to be the future when it comes to you know this grander scheme of mobility in general and we're talking a lot at the moment about subscriptions we're talking about you know what is the the future of mobility in a sense of how is it being consumed is it with buying is it with renting is it subscription services and all these kind of things will we see something like this in a larger scale in the future as well i mean like you know i mean you know munich quite a bit if i go to the the main train station here i could rent a very basic bike and get from a to b it's pretty much part of the system now but is the bike industry actually thinking about this even further and just to say okay maybe we can professionalize this or maybe we can make products that fit this kind of system or is it more like look we're so specialized and like you know we're we're working on these tour de france bikes so like the ultra performance high level that we're not looking too much into that as well Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, they are already are, and uh, there's uh, some of the biggest companies in in the bicycle industry now are bike sharing companies that nobody's heard about. Uh, so uh, yeah, and so in some places you would see um, electric bikes being uh, you know part of the rental bike scheme. Uh, most in most places it's just a, a regular bike, uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I see. I see. it continuing in the future towards more and more electric bikes because there's so many people in the bigger cities who just need a little bit of assistance. You don't want to arrive um, sweaty at work, and you know maybe maybe it's a hilly city like Barcelona or whatever. Um, it can really be very useful. So I, uh, but but yeah, it's it's already there. Um, I think what's what's not been very uh, well developed is uh, service uh, schemes and. You know, it's a bit like those uh, small electric uh, uh, scooters that you see, you know, that being thrown around big cities now, and uh, not always very well taken care of. So we've uh, seen a bit of the same in many big cities with uh, with the bicycles, as yeah, well, rental yeah. bikes.
0: I wanna I wanna ask you a question when it comes a little bit to e-bikes because I find this a very interesting development that we have there, and I. I have to say something up front. I'm not a very big motorcycle guy. Like, you know, I have a bicycle, of course, at home. I like, you know, riding that from time to time over the weekends and stuff like that. But for you as a designer, and if we take it a little bit further, that the motorbikes are becoming electric, of course, as well. We saw, you know, BMW motorcycles doing um, a number of uh, concepts on this as well over the past few years. Where do we draw the line on you know from an e-bike which you know an electric bicycle to a electric motorcycle I, and i'm not just talking about speed i understand of course this is the <laughs> a lot of people will say yeah that one thing is faster but at at what point do you say okay there is a clear difference in how you use it maybe where you can park it and all these kind of things as well because that will have a massive inf- effect on the design as well and what you know will be Perceived as an e-bike or a electric motorcycle.
1: Um, yeah, I think you draw the line in the, in the riding position is is one major difference. If you have to be able to pedal uh, uh, an electric bicycle, you have a radically different. Uh, you need a radically different uh, riding position, and you need the saddle height to be adjustable. Uh, whereas a you know electric motorbike you can just have the saddle at one height it doesn't matter you don't need to have different sizes and uh, different lengths of the you know the distances between the handlebar and the and, and the saddle is always the same so um, th- that that's very different when you have to pedal it so they you know they can they can get closer to each other and I think they already are so some, some, some somehow getting closer but um yeah they will that, that's one main difference that will keep
0: them apart <laughs> and do you, do you do you think there's this kind of let's call it an entry level drug which can start with a uh uh, you know, with with an electric e, you know, an e-bicycle uh, in those regards, like almost like these low riders, you know, you have the the handcrafted low riding uh, bicycles with, uh, you know, uh, where you almost lie on them. <laughs> um, and that's almost like the entry level drug to get into like the Harley Davidson customization and all these kind of things. Do so You think you will see this more and more um, and will, of course, the electric, um, uh, you know, the electric bicycle will, will will also see this kind of customization um i don't want to say craziness but like you know this customization interest as the old bicycle like the standard bicycles have and you know examples would be california and all these kind of things where you can have like literally your your own bicycle
1: yeah yeah no, I know. De- i definitely think we'll see more and more of that but um, I think in most places, the the, uh, the bicycle has doesn't have that status, you know, still. So that it's not like you're going to go and ride your bike around and uh, really impress people. <laughs> so um, I, th- I think there's still a, a cultural um, sort of um, obstacle there um, that will take some years to overcome. Especially in countries where the bicycle, you know, just for... It's not long ago, let's say, take a country like China, that it was, you know, everybody and his dog had a a bicycle to get uh, to work and they've started buying cars pretty recently. So, um, you know, certain countries um, have uh, sort of gone beyond that and um, the bicycle is sort of gaining um, status again but it's far from being something that you would you know park outside a restaurant like you would uh, park a Lamborghini or yeah. something.
0: Right? Well, I, obviously I mean there are Lamborghini's of bicycles as well. So you know we don't uh, we have the luxury bikes in all capacities of course, you know, uh, road bikes, uh, you can say commuter bikes, you can say about, you know, uh, mountain bikes, uh, electric bikes like if th- there is ever all the time this kind of luxury um, part of it as well as as we have it with the cars as well but what you, you mentioned something very interesting and a few weeks ago i had a conversation with alan Lunet. he's the uh, head of design for renault in india and we were talking about designing on a budget and he said look if you go for these markets like india you have to play by certain kind of rules you have to understand how your customer group works like what the people want and so on and so on um, how do you design a bike um do you design it for specific areas do you spei- do you design it for a specific target group or do you say like look we need to understand that in india for example it it's it's used in a different way than maybe in europe or in the us or in china like you know what's Where does this direction come from, um, from the product team or from the marketing team to make this kind of decision and then for you to adapt to this decision and to understand how this culture is using the bike?
1: Well, that that input mainly comes from the product manager who's uh, gathering information from the markets, from from sales, from uh, marketing uh, service and things like that. And uh, it's a very regionally driven uh, product you know the, the kind of bicycles you would have in Switzerland is not the same as in in Holland even if they're both you know wealthy well-developed uh, Western countries and uh, up until recently in the US for instance nobody would ride a bicycle without doing exercise you know what I mean like you you, you wouldn't ride to work wearing jeans uh, very very few people would do that and this is changing now but um, and and, and they you then see that the the, the uh, yeah the regional differences are developing as well. and uh, but it's not it's not the designer's task to sort of find out what's uh, what's going on in this market versus that
0: market. Yeah. so so you get the briefing and then you you're based on the briefing. Um, you, you you do the project mm-hmm. pretty much in that sense. Um,
1: yeah, and having said that, you, you you do have a lot more influence on what the product is is going to be than in car design, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, you know, part of the reason is that you, you you can't really make the split between exterior design and and interior design on on a bicycle. You're involved in how the product is being used and um, ergonomics, and the whole user scenario is much more part of what you're dealing with than, say, on a, on exterior design on a car. Right?
0: It's it's very interesting because. You know, I recently, obviously, I constantly have conversations with people, and we're, we're talking more and more about this idea of experience, and you know that it's not just about the product; it's much more than that as well. How do you see that in your function within bicycle design, in particular, that this? let's call it UX for the sake of understand. that everybody understands what, uh, what, what we really want to talk about. But is UX becoming more and more important in terms of what we do? Is it more important in the sense of digital content, like, you know, little GPS systems and all these kind of things that will be part of the bikes in the future? Or how, how do you see these new influences um, being part of what you do on an every single day basis?
1: Well, you know, initially when the e-bike came
0: around, you would have these like big displays and they became
1: bigger and bigger. And now there's more a trend towards uh, reducing that and going a bit back to what is actually necessary. And then everybody's carrying a phone anyway. So if you need additional information, you might as well get it from from there. Um, So that's clearly the, the trend to sort of simplify things again which I think is good because, I mean, one of the fundamental differences between car design and uh, of the approach to car design and the approach to, to bicycle design is in in bicycles, it's always been, you know, less is more. And if you can reduce uh, the number of elements, the number of welds, the number of uh, components and the, the weight and all of that is seen as really good. Whereas, um yeah. Place, you know, car, car design and, and yeah, overall, you know, obviously looking at the last few decades, um, it's been sort of a downward spiral in terms of adding more and more. So to, just, to, just to simplify, and maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but uh, bicycle design is really less is more and uh, car design has become more, more is more. <laughs> so, uh, so more is more. So uh, you add more features and you see what what the competition is doing, uh, offering this. you need to have the same amount of features, plus maybe a couple of more so that you have, uh, you know, the upper hand. and uh, And then you add to that the... Ungainly proportions of many new cars that you sort of need to have more styling features to kind of cover all that surface and all the bulk that they have, right? And um, yeah, other you know we, we can we can talk for hours about the reasons for this, but I mean uh, the, the approach is very very different. And if you were to sort of fight for some of the things we we would fight for at BMW to get. Uh, you know, maybe another chrome part here because it would look more uh, expensive. And if you started adding things like that on a on a bicycle, you know, nobody would want it. It's a, it's a very very different approach in thinking.
0: Do you think? Okay, so like if we if we take this a little bit further, and we take this idea of styling in general, yeah. So I I, I personally draw very much the line between styling and design. Yeah, because design, what you also what you have just said now. Is uh, very much about optimization. It's about you know uh, getting the best out of a product, and this what the definition of the best is is always then down to the company. Whereas styling is about the you know best aesthetics in that kind of sense, um, in a very simply way spoken. Of course, do you think that the bike industry, due to the boom that it is now, and you know becoming a also a lifestyle object, will get more styling? In in its in its process, especially when we have commuter bikes, when we have city bikes, these kind of things that are supposed to look cool, for example. Mm.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You already see it, um, and uh, I am not saying that's a you know that's a, a, a positive trend. I think I think it's, it's kind of necessary, uh, but we you know it's still a world apart from what the bicycle industry is doing and, and, and the car industry is doing. So if we go somewhat a bit more in that direction, I think that wouldn't hurt and put a bit more emphasis and on, 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 on styling and, and, and design um, because I think it's important for the customer. I think a lot of customers appreciate it more than bicycle companies uh, admit or are willing to realize. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think for me it's, it's a bit, uh, you know, is it – does it have what you're doing? Does it have any substance? Is it purely adding um, sort of decorative elements or um, can you sort of combine it with the structure so that it's somewhat, you know, you can justify it with a a form follows function um, um, argument. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When, because you've seen both now. Yeah? So you've seen the, the, the bicycle process and how a bicycle is being, is being conceived. You've seen the process of a car as well. Where would you love the, the bicycle design industry to learn something from the car industry? And of course, vice versa. And where do you think the collaboration between these two processes should be closer just to learn from each other?
1: Well, (laughs) I think car design could, uh, you know, I've touched on it already. Um, Car design could, I think the overall uh, sort of approach to product development, not just the design side of it, but uh, could, um, I think, benefit a bit from um, that kind of thinking that we have in the bicycle industry that uh, you're not adding. you, You have to really think twice before you add stuff. I mean, you look at look at uh, <laughs> all these like light catches and uh, sort of ornamental designs that you see in uh, in the car industry today. But you also look at the weight aspect of it. You know, it's you keep adding stuff um, that obviously is going to yeah affect you on the on the scales. And, um, and a new car seat, you know, that with, with all the electric motors and in a modern premium car, can weigh maybe seventy kilos each. And, uh, you know, if you go to a lightweight option uh, from Recaro or something like that, it could be like five kilos. So already there, you could, you know, you could save so much weight, but you can also, you know, um, reduce a bit the, yeah, it's it's so excessive, you know, like, uh, do we really need electric motors to open the trunk uh, yeah it's it's good to have it's nice to have but i mean at some point we start to we need to start to make some sacrifices for in order to create better products overall and we can't just say yeah i want that and that and that and that and that and then expect um, <laughs> that it's uh, possible to design uh, you know green products light products many of the cars that are enjoyable to drive uh, are enjoyable not because they're luxury cars but because they're light and and just fun you know easy handling is good easy to drive um lots of examples of that and i think the overall approach in the car industry would uh, would benefit a bit from going back to that what they kind of used to have?
0: do you believe that's a problem about education as well do you do you believe that you know the the car designer maybe nowadays doesn't doesn't think as much as you know i don't want to say the bike design in general because like i think the community of specific bike designers is still very small because it's a relatively new uh profession but let's say industrial designers
1: yeah i think uh, but first of all i don't think the you know the designers are to blame in 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 this uh sort of downward spiral that i'm I'm referring to i think it's uh the, the overall planning of the product if you say <laughs> You know, you're going to give it the, these proportions, and you're going to give it all these features, and uh, um, yeah, it's not always that the, in, in the designers can really influence that in, in car design. And uh, what I wanted to say about the yeah the bicycle industry and the bicycle design, what we can learn many things from from car design. I mean, I was in the car design a total of say yeah five years, so I have a lot more experience in, in bicycle design for sure, and uh, I don't. Consider myself an expert on car design at all, compared to my some of my ex-colleagues who are, you know, superstars. Um, but what we can learn from them is, I think, first of all, to um, to take design. Um, the status of design within the company is much higher in the in the in the car industry. Um, the importance of uh, it's much more recognised. Um, how much value the the end customer puts on on design. So that would be, you know, a starting point for what we can learn. And in terms of sophistication and uh, proportions and surfacing and all that, you know, we, are, we have um, made good improvements over the last five to 10 years in our industry. But we're still, you know, the car industry is light years ahead. But I think the most important aspect is maybe on the recruiting and, and how the car industry have always been very good at. Capturing uh, kids' dreams, you know, with all these cool concert cars and, and sketches that you see all over the internet. And, um, you know, if we want the, the next generation of creative talent to to dream about designing bicycles instead of uh, supercars, we, we need to change, uh, you know, pretty radically our approach in, in our industry and understanding that it's not only about numbers, it's about capturing dreams, it's about uh, putting on a show it's about uh yeah creating a bit more of a um aspirational um visual looks I yeah. think.
0: and uh, the opportunities are there i think nowadays um if we look a little bit ahead 2021 there will be the munich motor show but obviously they they're building that towards the mobility experience i think this is what they what they have said and so there are these opportunities now coming ahead, um, and obviously you have this in China as well. You have CES in in Las Vegas, um, of course, as well, which are mainly about mobility as a whole or the connectivity that comes with it. Of course, the opportunity is there. So, what do you think? You know, it it, it the companies are being held back by? Is it just that they don't necessarily see this? coolness factor will have an effect on the company as well as the product do they because i I, obviously i know a concept car costs millions and millions to make and like you know the the effort that goes in there but you could technically for comparable price for relatively little money do a really really cool um buy concept for example and then just present it Um, and what's what's your what's your reasoning for that that this is not happening at the moment
1: it is it is happening uh, I've been involved in a few of those and uh, it's always very interesting but uh, the general acceptance from the the hardcore bicycle rider you know who's been riding a bike for 20 years or 30 years is very low towards those concepts uh, you know they're gonna point out you know what I don't think that tire clearance is uh, is really no that's that's not going to work you know what i mean it's like they keep it at a very detailed level of critique so um but i think for the general audience out there the 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 vast majority of people who know nothing about bicycles i think it can be a great thing to do because you can uh you know if i always say that if if uh, if something if, if a bicycle looks if if my dad can tell that this is something special this is something different then that's that, that. Then you've really gone to the. If he, he, he doesn't, really care about design or, or bicycles at all, or, or car for that matter. But if he can tell the difference, uh, and that kind of that kind of audience can can tell the difference, then then at least you have reached outside of your, you know, regular bicycle blogs and, and bicycle magazines.
0: Social media is probably helping with that. I mean, you see. Um, you know, even the car blocks and all these ones that they're, they're more and more feature these uh, motorcycles nowadays. And I think, you know, there is an opportunity there, not just for the creativity for younger students, you know, especially from uh, these, let's say, transportation design facilities uh, and faculties that have all these talent in there to show something and also show something to the, uh, uh, to the bike world that there's new, new kids thinking about it. And at the moment, it seems it's you know, compared obviously to the car industry, but also to the motorcycle industry, there's very, very few people who think about what bicycles could be in the, in, in, in the future. Is, is that also the observation that you have? Or do you see more and more students being interested in it? Or what's your, what's your observation?
1: I, I think you do see some students who are interested in this. Not, not many, but uh, compared to uh, car design. Uh, but I think that, you know, that again, that this is something we can influence from within the industry by posting more of the development design process and development process. Um, it's about like, for me, uh, what, what a, a cool car sketch does to you is that it inspires someone who, you know, if you see the end product, you have no clue how that's done. If you see a sketch, you can think, hey, I, I could do that. You know, like I want to practice. I want to I want to learn how to do that. So um I think that's a great thing with uh, hand sketches is that you 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 can sort of inspire people to want to do the same and uh make people think that this is actually achievable it's not just a, a, a crazy uh, cool end product that you see and you don't understand the process of what what goes into it um so I think you know obviously it's a, it's it's not um hundred percent correct that the sketch goes into production and all that. Uh, we know we all know that 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 myth, but it's a myth that helps inspire people. and for that, uh, I think I think it serves a, a great purpose.
0: and considering the fact and like you know what the let's say the car industry in particular is moving towards that it's going to be more and more difficult, i think if for for young students to you know push their way through um and you know find an entry point into the car industry, I mean, we have a fantastic opportunity here. And I think what you are just mentioning is like, we're just at the beginning of the growth of the bicycles and, you know, probably also the motorbikes and these scooters uh, in the future. So th- there is, and there will be opportunity for these creative, for these creative minds that maybe, you know, don't go into the car industry, but do something else such as bikes to, to really be successful.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think the schools haven't, you know, a great opportunity there. It has, it's not really been, as far as I know, there's no nowhere where you can study uh, bicycle design yet. But um, maybe a good way to start is to just have a, a module, uh, optional module of a couple of months or something that people could sort of dive into it. Uh, but that's, those are already then people who are decided, you know, they've decided to study something else, maybe car design because they like cars. And you know the, the the chances that they will change their mind during their career, this this um, uh, while they're studying, uh, if, you know, if maybe maybe it won't be that high. Uh, but if you could start to create uh, <coughs> um, <coughs> something similar to what's going on in the car industry, that young kids, six six year olds, would start to to dream of um, dream about designing bicycles, then. I think that's uh, that, that, that's pretty far out there, but that's where we have to what we have to aim for. <laughs> it's not done overnight; it's not an easy task. But that's that's the, because of, you know if, if people are in their twenties and just see that um, oh yeah, I think that there's opportunities now in another industry because it's really booming. Um, you know, you could question the, that that motivation for doing it. It's not like it's been their biggest passion. And I think we need people who are talented and very passionate to, to really drive the whole
0: um, industry forward. Do companies like, uh, you know, BMC and others in the in the bike industry work with, the, you know, with, with uh, let's say, transportation design universities or, you know, industrial design universities to find these people and to kind of interest them as well? Or is that a, a, a something that is lacking at the moment or has not been done before?
1: It is being done. It is being done, um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been involved in uh, as, a, as a as a mentor for a few of those projects, and uh, I know Canyon are doing it um, all the time with 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 uh, with students from uh, time and and other places. But it still remains a bit of like a, if you know if you if you pitch a school about this, there will be maybe one or two students of them. If they have a hundred students, there will be one or two who are interested in this. So. Um yeah, I think it uh, could also be an option to establish something outside of the the regular transportation design courses because many of those are studying transportation designs because they love cars. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. But uh, I know that we have a lot of student listeners uh, to the podcast as well. So, but, you know, I want to thank you for talking about this because, uh, you know, I see a lot of young kids coming up to us like, oh, you know, I'm looking for opportunities here and there. And um, there's a lot of them that like, motorcycles as well you know and i think um this kind of two-wheel design maybe maybe one should go into this kind of direction i'm I'm not quite sure what the final solution would be for uh, for the best option there but uh, i i think there is there is enough there and i think it's a little bit of a mix of like what's available like you know are the companies going with that as well um, because we, we can't really expect all the universities just to build a, a course on it. It would be great if they could, but uh, we all know that there's a lot of money involved in this. And I think it has to be a mix of the educational process as well as from the industry to say, like, this is what we would like to do and we would like to push this together to have the, the best possible result. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it goes in, in, in both hands. And and obviously, I know you're an, an, an advocate of, of doing something like this. Um, and, uh, and 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 everyone helps, you know, and everyone who's interested in that, and everybody who's interested of in pushing this, um, of course, helps to to bring this new generation to life, of course, as well. All right. So, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time and spending forty five minutes with me on a topic that. I do have to say I have not been very familiar with like, you know, obviously it's, it's this kind of normal thing. you like, everybody knows what a bike is, but like, you know, the complexity that goes into that nowadays is is becoming astonishing, uh, to be fair. And it's certainly nothing as simple as, uh, as a lot of people think. So uh, thank you very much for enlightening us on, on a lot of these topics. But before I let you go, and, uh, you know, we, we do this with every guest we have on the podcast, you will get three questions from me. Um, two of them have nothing to do with, uh, you know, car design, transportation design whatsoever. You can answer this on, on however you want. And one of them will be a car question. So I apologize for that. Um, but maybe we can bend the rules a little bit here and you can also name a bicycle or motorbike or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll give you the options here. I'll try to give you the options. All right. Um, so Tony, first question for you Which project would you have uh, absolutely loved to be part of? you didn't
1: um it could be like in any industry anything right yeah yeah well i think i yeah one 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 project and one product that i admire uh, uh a lot is the the original uh, vespa you know it's um it's, it's you know 70 years old uh and you, you talk about, like, iconic designs. It's, I think the, the word is being used a bit too much these days. But that's a true icon. And uh, if you look at how they, you know, Enrico Piaggio had um, um, his business, you know, he'd been making aircraft and stuff and then um, saw this opportunity because not everybody could afford uh, cars at the time to make this, uh, this new mobility solution for uh you know and they threw sort of all convention out the window and you know it was a very radical change to what motorbikes were before that and it was like this easy entry and uh, kind of structural protective um you know uh, sheet metal and uh you had the the engine like on one side of on one side of the wheel. With sort of a direct connection without the chain, and you had a spare wheel on the other side, which you know uh, was very came in very handy in those days with the rough roads. And then you had the front suspension, which was single sided, came off of the aircraft. Um, So it made it very easy to change the wheels and everything. Um, I I think that is one incredibly well thought out uh, design. Uh, that has lasted for many years and uh, it's just so unique. And, you know, the the mods made it a cultural phenomenon in the 60s and it's gone way beyond just being a product, right? It has a has a different status uh, over the years. But that's, uh, I would have loved to be part of the team uh, doing those brainstormings and how radically they, they sort of changed everything about uh, motorbike design. Great.
0: All right. Number two. Which designer, and this is a designer that either you have or you have not worked with, this is completely up to you, had the biggest influence on you and your career? Only one. You can mention a couple <laughs> as well. Yeah. I, I'm completely open. <laughs> yeah, all yeah, right, okay. Uh, then I will, then I will. Uh,
1: yeah, I I think the first one that maybe had the biggest impact on me was, you know, I, I studied um, um, mechanical engineering f- first before I went into design, and then when I studied um Um, transportation design in Barcelona. There was one guy that I studied with, uh, Juan Sanz Molina. He was just such an artist and he would, uh, um, he taught me sort of how to, I saw that what he was doing was um, he threw rational thinking out the window when he was sketching. So he would come up with shapes and crazy stuff that, you know, where where, what has he been smoking? Everybody was just astonished by the sort of uh, Cap- capacity to come up with new shapes and new forms—they made no sense for the most part, but um, it was all, always a good starting point, you know, to have something very, very interesting looking, and then um, that really taught me a lot. and Then later on in the career, I think, um, you know, starting at, uh, at the, at the Cannondale, there was not that many to learn from at master. I had great colleagues to learn from and get inspired by. Um, Chris Bangle, I went to a workshop with him. You know, he really changed my way of thinking as well. Anders Warming at, at uh, BMW I was so good at uh, focusing in on the details and then zooming out on the on the big picture, uh, history and um, and the, the market. And, the, and he did that constantly, zooming in and out. And I'm, it's a technique I'm using a lot myself to, to this day. And um, you know a couple of the other people at the uh, BMW, I think. Um, they, what surprised me was how down to earth and humble and caring they were about their colleagues. And you know, you would expect to come into this very competitive environment, and then you have people like uh, Christopher Weil and uh, Peri Baselborg and a few others that you know they would really care about the young people and the, the interns and and uh, sort of make everybody feel a bit. Uh, a bit less, um, thrown to the sharks, right? And uh, I thought that was something that was very inspiring that people who could be, you know, uh, world, world-class designers and still, um, the way they go about things in a, in a human way was, uh, yeah, very inspiring to me because it's all about making the team work, right? It's not, it's not just not just getting good design. Yeah,
0: exactly. And you know, in, in, in complex projects such as cars or everything that you know is around that, I mean, the teamwork is key. It's not just about one person. I think you have to have that uh, social skill as well. Otherwise, you know, um, there's only very limited success in in not having a team. Um, from my personal mm-hmm. experience, but uh, let's not let's not mm-hmm. dive too deep into that because that's a whole another story we could open up here. Um, last but mm-hmm. certainly not least. If I give you a blank check, and here comes the car question, which car would you buy?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I would buy a bunch of cheap cars. (laughs) (laughs) So, some of my favorite cars are not very expensive. Uh, Yeah. You know, Citroën CX, uh, I think it's, uh, and uh, the original C4 Coupe from BMW. So, kind of, uh, as, as sculptures, I admire them because they're like the perfect blend of. Harmony and disharmony. There's a little bit of disharmony that makes it, you know, just about interesting. Um, yeah, I would go for you know a sub 99 turbo, a McLaren F1, as a bit more expensive. But if it's if it boil up, down to one car, I would probably go for BMW E46 M3 The CSL version of that. Is like to me uh, kind of the pinnacle of cars as we used to know them.
0: Lovely. I had nothing nothing more to add on that one. And uh, any kind of mention of a McLaren F1 is always appreciated because that car is just extremely cool in my opinion. But all right, Tony, thank you very much. Much appreciated all your time uh, that you've spent with us. Thanks, Thanks for having this afternoon. Um we will obviously link you into the show notes so that people can find you on LinkedIn. Uh, and get in contact with you if they have any kind of questions or if they would like to do some stuff with you so uh, that will certainly happen and to all of our listeners thank you once again for joining us on the Gestalten podcast Uh, my name was Martin Groschwald and please do not forget as always to follow us on the social media channels to always be uh, up to date with the latest episodes and of course if you do listen to us on Apple podcasts please do give us a 5 star rating push us up for us a little bit and if you have any rating systems on the other channels that you're listening to um pump them up as much as you can we do appreciate it very very much from you but until next time we will have another very you know pretty cool cast i'm very excited about these uh, you know upcoming five ten episodes that we're planning right now but uh, tony thank you very much to all our listeners thanks very much for listening and you will hear back from us very soon take care <laughs>